The first time I ever preached here at Trent was quite a few years ago now. And I remember it was during the evening service that I had a very real and vivid conversation with the Holy Spirit. As the worship band was bringing their set to a close, I recall the Holy Spirit within me said, just before you start, I want you to bring the whole room to silence and pray. Because I want to meet with them before you start the sermon. In that holy and sacred moment, I turned to God and I said, no. (laughs) That's just weird. In the whole time that I've been coming to Trent, I've never seen a preacher do that before. And more to the point, if I try and bring this room to silence, no one's going to listen. They're all students after all. He said, they will if you do what I'm asking of you. So of course, I came up onto this very stage and in wanting to be obedient, I did the exact opposite of what he asked of me and I went straight into the sermon. Thankfully, it went well. Well, it did in my opinion. For those of you that can remember, you may think slightly differently. But when I finished and I came off the stage, my wife Sarah said to me, Dave, that was great but I really felt as though if you'd have just brought the room to silence and prayed before you started the sermon, I really felt the Holy Spirit wanted to meet with us. True story, true story. (laughs) I went home that evening and I reflected on the sermon and I prayed and I said, Lord, I am so sorry. Whenever I perceive you're asking me to do something like that in the future, whether it feels uncomfortable or not, whether I get it right or wrong, I'm just going to do it. Wayne Gretzky, a former ice hockey coach, said this. He said, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. In that moment, I felt like I was missing 100% of the opportunities presented by the Holy Spirit when I didn't act upon them. Jesus modeled obedience brilliantly. In one of his many conversations in the Bible, he said this. He said, I tell you the truth. The son, referring to himself, can do nothing by himself. He only does what he sees the father doing. And Jesus told us to do exactly the same when he gave us the great commission. When he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, and this is really important. Go and make disciples of Jamaicans, Africans, Asians, the British, all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always until the end of the age. Now, as many of you will know, over the past few weeks, we as a church have been working through a series called The Kingdom of God. And it's our hope that as we conclude this series today, that a few things will start to become apparent, such as the kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God. Unlike a physical kingdom with borders, God's kingdom is present wherever God's will is done. Which is why when Jesus taught us to pray, he taught us to say, your kingdom come. Your will be done. 
And so when Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, that is a very powerful kingdom statement. As Jesus is effectively saying, the rule of God has been entrusted to me. In a very similar way in which the queen of this country as head of state has delegated authority to the head of government to the effective running of the country. It's that kind of authority that Jesus is saying, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I have taught you. So as we conclude this series today, we're going to focus on multiplication of the kingdom. How we make disciples of all nations. Now, you may be here today, or you may be watching online at home, and you may be thinking, if we're here to talk about multiplication and evangelism, why have we started talking about obedience? I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) I'd like to suggest that obedience is at the heart of evangelism. So, how do we do it? How do we make disciples of all the nations, teaching them to obey everything Jesus has said to us? Well, as a starter for 10, I think we need to learn obedience first in our discipleship to Jesus. The word obedience means compliance with an order or request or submission to another's authority. Now, I don't know about you, But in my experience, there's often an internal conflict when it comes to submission or submitting to God's will being done. Very similar to hearing his voice at the start of a sermon and ignoring it completely to do what feels comfortable. Our discipleship to Jesus is all about our obedience to him. If we're authentically following Jesus, our lives should start to look a lot like his over time especially if we're trying to practice living the life that Jesus lived in this book, the Bible. John Wright, one of our senior pastors here, said this. In fact, he asked the question and he said, does your life look more like Jesus this year than it did last year? If our lives are not looking more like Jesus over time, we need to question our discipleship to him. If there's no change in our lifestyle or character, what kind of um, discipleship are we inviting the nations into? After all, we can only make disciples to the extent that we have become disciples ourselves. The word salvation means to be saved from harm or ruin. For some of us, when we became Christians and received salvation, we believed that there was nothing further for us to do. I'm a Christian, I'm saved, and I'm going to heaven. Without realizing there is a discipleship journey that we need to embark upon. The word sanctification means to become more like Jesus and to be obedient to the things that he's commanding us to do. Some of us are stuck at salvation and have not yet transitioned to the sanctification stage of our discipleship, which is why we struggle to make disciples of all nations. Again, John Wright two weeks ago gave a fantastic talk on kingdom discipleship. If you missed it, I'd really encourage you to visit our website and to watch it online. 
Very similarly, I believe it was two weeks prior to that that Amy Prinsloo gave a fantastic talk on obedience. And again, if you missed that, I'd really encourage you to go online to watch that for an in-depth look at our obedience to Jesus. We say Jesus is the answer, and he absolutely is. But our lifestyle needs to reflect this truth. St. Francis of Assisi is attributed for saying we should preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. And I love the way the Amplified Bible communicates Paul's letter to the church in Colossae when he was talking about the very same subject. When he said, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in union with him, reflecting his character in the things you do and say, living lives that lead others away from sin. If we've given our lives to Jesus and we're still swearing amongst our peers or in the workplace, how does this reflect the gospel? Or if we're laughing along to inappropriate or racist jokes or remaining quiet when an inappropriate comment is made, how are we any different to the nations around us? And if we're only talking about our faith with like-minded Christians, how can we multiply the kingdom? Jesus said, Jamaicans, Africans, Asians, all nations. His command isn't exclusive to those people that look just like you or that are in close proximity to you. But it includes those that don't look like you, talk like you, that aren't as well educated as you, that don't eat the same food as you and me. He said, all nations. Paul, in his letter to the Romans, put it like this. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? The truth is, we've all been sent to make disciples of the nations. The question is, who amongst us is going to be obedient and go? This is why the Great Commission requires us to work in partnership with the Holy Spirit, because we cannot do it by ourselves. Jesus said, and surely I am with you always until the very end of the age. I think it's important to note at this stage that one of the things that makes the Great Commission great is the fact that it is a co-mission. It's a mission that's not designed to be done in isolation, but it's designed to be done in partnership with the Holy Spirit. A few weeks ago, Debbie Wright, our other senior pastor here, um, shared a story very similar to what Bodders was talking about earlier, where our evangelism team went into the city of Nottingham to share their faith with over 100 people, 10 of which uh, opened their hearts to Jesus. Amongst them was a young man by the name of Nathan that had never done anything like this before. He went, and on his return, this is what he had to say about his experience. He said, 
I was honestly so surprised and filled with joy to see just how open and receptive people were to receive in the gospel, how ready they were to hear about Jesus and even accept him into their lives there and then. Jesus had obviously prepared the way ahead of us, and I'm really looking forward to doing it again. I was sat right there in the auditorium when Debbie shared that story, and I was particularly moved by the part where she said, quoting Nathan, Jesus had obviously gone ahead of us to prepare the way. And I said to the Holy Spirit whilst I was sat in my chair, that is so obviously true. You're the one who prepares the hearts of people to receive you. That's exactly what happened to us when we became Christians. God had already done the work in our hearts. We just needed to say yes when the opportunity presented itself. And Jesus confirmed this when he said, no one comes to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. Which means that whenever we do the ministry of evangelism, whether that's Jesus at the door or sharing our faiths with another, we have no idea where that individual is in the journey of being drawn to the Father. We just need to be obedient in acting on 100% of those opportunities when the Holy Spirit presents them. When we share our faith with someone and they say no, it doesn't mean that we've failed It means that we've been obedient. And it may be that they're just not ready or willing to open their hearts to Jesus. But it may be that conversation that you have with that individual that the Holy Spirit uses to start the process of drawing them into relationship with him. And this is why it's so important that we are obedient and that we work in partnership with the Holy Spirit in sharing our faith with the nations. We are in a pivotal time in history right now, a significant time in history right now. There is nothing like a global pandemic that will cause people to ask questions about life, reality, God. And I wonder how many of those people want to be in a relationship with him, but they just don't know How? And I wonder if God is wanting to partner with us in order to start the process of drawing them into relationship with Jesus so that he can multiply the kingdom. The Church of England recently conducted a survey to find out what people in England thought about Jesus. That survey reported that one in five non-Christian adults on one in six non-Christian young people are open to encounter and experience Jesus. That's one adult in five. A one young person in six that God is drawing into relationship with himself. The harvest is plenty But where are the laborers? Over the past few weeks, I've been working with two lovely ladies by the name of Julie Everett and Melanie Boot in supporting and journeying with a homeless gentleman by the name of Andrew. Andrew is Australian. And in one of my initial conversations with him, he said to me, I don't know what I think about this Christian crap. They're all a bunch of hypocrites. Or words to that effect. Nonetheless, we continue to journey with him. 
And one day I went for a walk with him in a park. And in that conversation, I felt I heard the Holy Spirit ask me to ask him if he wanted to give his life to Jesus. Andrew also mentioned that he wasn't able to hear correctly or properly in one ear. And so I took that as an opportunity to pray for healing too. I prayed, and this is what happened next. Yeah, g'day. Hey. Yeah, g'day. How you doing? Um, yeah, uh, my ears, I've had a constant ringer for some time, and, and um, David prayed, and I'd just give myself to Jesus, and it, it's, it's taken it down. It's nearly gone. It's like I know it's there, was there even. It might just be a memory, like an echo, because I can hear the birds now, different birds. <laughs> I mean, I, I've been seeing these birds twitting around and flying around. I didn't know what noise they made. Now I can see them, hear them, I mean. I can hear them. So, yeah, I can't say that something didn't happen to my ears because it did. That's all I want to say. Yeah. Wonderful. Since that time, Andrew has been keen to learn about the Bible and is keen to join a Bible study to find out more about Jesus. And not only that, but he's been sharing his faith since then with all of his homeless friends that are on the street, which is just wonderful. It's through our discipleship to Jesus and our obedience to him, through working in partnership with his Holy Spirit, on walking in close proximity with all people that we make disciples of the nations and multiply the kingdom. And so as I bring this talk to a close today, I have uh, three takeaways which I think might be useful in helping us make this a reality in our lives. The first one is to read Emotionally Healthy Discipleship by Pete Scazzaro. It's a comprehensive and practical way to grow in our discipleship to Jesus. If you're not a big reader, as I'm not, I listen to this book on Audible and it's absolutely fantastic in the sense of helping us to get a grasp of what our discipleship to Jesus looks like before we take it to the world. Takeaway two is takeaway one and takeaway two, which is to go. To actively seek to have a conversation with a stranger or someone that doesn't look like you. Or... Or both, maybe. You could even, like John mentioned at the very start, sign up for sharing your faith training and come and be a part of a community where we go into the city of Nottingham and do that uh, with those that we meet. And takeaway three is one, two, and three, which is to ask. Ask the Holy Spirit to put someone on your heart now that he wants you to start a conversation with about him.